0: remember all those times that i started the show by you know telling everybody that the stories contained on this show belong to the people who wrote them and that any use of those stories or publication of those stories without the author's consent was not allowed and that any similarities between the stories that we tell here and existing stories is purely coincidental uh, unless otherwise noted do you remember all that well, it applies for this episode, too. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Parallel Words. This is going to be Parallel Words... Episode 19. 19. 19. ninety nine. <laughs> I don't know. I just always feel like you
1: should add that to it.
0: Why? I don't know. I was ringing through a customer the other day at work, <clears throat> and his total came to 91.99. And so I told him, I said, uh, I said all right, your, your total's going to be 91.99, uh, the year the robots take over. And it just kind of slipped out, like I wasn't really, I just kind of was speaking what was going through my head out loud.
2: (laughs) That's a dangerous thing, John.
0: And he he stopped for a good long moment and kind of stared at me, and then there was some concern. Because I thought, okay, he probably isn't going to find it funny, but maybe he can at least find it charming and endearing that I said it. And I was concerned that that was not the case, but then it kind of clicked what I said, and he started to laugh, and I was relieved.
2: <laughs> he just he wasn't expecting it
0: yeah, well, I mean who is that's why they're yeah. able to pull it off, yeah, even this in ninety one ninety nine nobody suspects a robot
2: <laughs> apparently not
0: uh this is episode nineteen though, and I am john jagger I'm going to be hosting this thing as we uh steer into the rocks and uh <laughs> The man, the man in the crow's nest. Um, that would are be serious, Aaron Green.
2: My, are you saying this is my fault? Well, you know. <laughs> oh, no, it's okay. I agree. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still steering the ship. Yeah, but if I'm in the crow's nest, aren't I like the lookout? I'm, I'm yeah, the guy who's supposed to be. But, saying, but I mean, what are you gonna home. do? You're like
0: John. There's an iceberg over there. Oh, we hit it. Uh, okay, John. There's not an iceberg over there. All right, we hit it anyway. I don't know. What are we gonna do at this point? Okay. He doesn't listen.
2: It is a it is a bi, bicameral. I don't know what that. Is. I don't know.
0: Yep. We it's our the it's ship both goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> oh my! It's an awesome ship. Um, Aaron, how are you tonight? Hey John. John, I am doing awesome. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing great. Wonderful. I was curious what you were gonna say, cause it's talking to you this evening has been a, a roller coaster of emotions.
2: A roller coaster of emotions. Yeah, mean,
0: like, I got to talk to you my, as you were frustrated writing, uh, trying to trying to get writing done.
2: Yeah. I got to talk the, to you. Nothing, uh, nothing feels better than finishing at the eleventh hour, <laughs> apparently, because <laughs> yeah. that's why I do it all the time.
0: Yeah. And then I got to hear you. Um, you know, hoping that your wife would be home so you could have help with the kids. Yeah. Then I got to hear you eating cheeseburgers. Mm, cheeseburgers. Che- yep, two of them. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have, uh, but so, I did. So that was back up. Uh, then we laughed a little bit. We watched some, some stuff on the internet. And then I got to, uh, and now we're here.
2: Yeah.
0: And there was a crying baby at one point.
2: Yeah, that happens a lot around here
0: oh i mean it's what babies do
2: yeah this is true
0: uh so yeah so <laughs> that's been your night which has been a lot more exciting than my night uh which has consisted of craisins and uh you know waiting to talk to you oh you know
2: you know some days some days i would just kill to only be worried about craisins well, and having to talk to friends—it's
0: a troubling issue in today's <laughs> society, Aaron. Crazins. Crazins. Why do they taste so good on that first one, and maybe even better on the second and third? But then you get like five or six deep, and you're like, "Why the f- am I eating crazins?"
2: I think maybe it's crazin overload.
0: I wanted something to snack on, and I thought I could feel really good about eating it, but you just get sick of them real quick. Yeah. It's like the show. You dive in, you're like, all right, I'm on board. <laughs> you know what? I'm done. <laughs> you're like, this I'm done with these guys. This thing's got like an hour left, and I want no part of it.
2: <laughs> well, trust me. I think that people would want a part of it, because I think our stories tonight are... Oh my gosh! <laughs>
0: tonight, um, I think they're pretty ridiculous. I heard uh, your um... story and I was like, I don't know <laughs> if I should punch him <laughs> or shake his hand. I think I want to do should both.
2: Shake my hand and then while you have my hand, you haul away with me at me with the other.
0: Yeah, I think it's what you deserve, really. I,
2: I do think it's what I deserve.
0: You're not a good person. <laughs>
2: I couldn't help it and you know what it's kind of partially your fault too it's a lot my fault um, and so uh, um, you know it's I, I think that I don't want to say too much more about that uh, you know what's until... not my
0: fault the part where I repeatedly told you not <laughs> to do what you did
1: <laughs>
2: but I did it anyway John yeah you did Because you're not the boss of me. Yep, you showed me that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I I did
2: it, John. I did it. And I'm proud that I did it.
0: All right, well, we'll get to that. Because I think it
2: deserved to be done. We'll get to that. And I'm not going to lie. I think I may want to do it more. (laughs) You
0: know what? That's the part that pisses me off perhaps the most is – at first, I was boiling mad, <laughs> and then I started thinking about it, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of digging the thoughts that this is giving me, and then I got even madder, because I don't want to think those thoughts. <laughs>
2: uh, and um, meanwhile, our listeners are like, what the f- is wrong we'll with these there, guys listeners. tonight?
0: This is, you know what, it's called pacing. Patient. We're teasing you up front. That tease is supposed to get you through the lull where we, uh, we talk about other things. And then when you hear Aaron's stories coming up, you get to go, oh, this is the thing they were talking about in the beginning.
2: <laughs> and, and then uh, listeners, then you, you can hear. all decide if John should punch me or not.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't care what they say. You deserve it. Okay. I mean, you were told not to
2: do it. Yeah, but then you also did kind of tell me to do it.
0: <laughs> we'll get into that. I don't think I can... I don't think we can debate this without giving it away yet. Okay. So it's Fair enough. Your story's amazing. Well, thank you. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's my reaction. <laughs> um, alright. So, Aaron, what's new? What's new with you, man? You know, um...
2: Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff, Yeah, you know, I'm wrapping up the, uh, the winter break at school. I am heavy into the process of editing, uh, editing my book and, uh, the, uh, the website that I am uh, one of the contributors to, uh, which is eatyourcomics.com, uh, is, uh, is doing pretty awesome, so... There's, uh, there's a lot going on with that. And, you know, at home, having four children and an amazing wife, it's always an adventure. Yeah. I, I forget this thing called sleep every once in a while. Uh huh. Um, and I'm usually on a pretty, pretty steady flow of caffeine. But other than that, you know, it's, uh, it's good. What about you, John? What are
0: you been up to? Well, it's funny you mentioned sleep because <laughs> yesterday uh, my car has been due for servicing for a little while, and I decided, all right, it's time, it's time to get it in. Uh, it's Bite time to it. yeah, let's let's do this. And uh, so yesterday I made the appointment uh, for today, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, yesterday at you know five in the afternoon. Um having it there by 7 a.m. in the morning seemed like a fine idea. Oh, my. That didn't seem like such a fine idea this morning. No. There was a moment when it was 1 in the morning and I was still awake
1: <laughs>
0: where I thought, perhaps I have overestimated how much sleep I need on my one day off.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> and... Uh, Yeah, so I'm tired today. I'm really tired. But that's okay. I can imagine. We're going to kind of fake it through this episode. You know, that's kind of of the way we do things. Was it the last episode where we did a daytime episode? It was. I don't think it turned out much better. Was it before Christmas?
2: I think, yeah, we recorded it before Christmas, but you posted it on Christmas.
0: Oh, that's right. I proved to everyone how... You know, busy with stuff I was on Christmas by editing and posting an episode. Hey, you know. Um, how was your holiday, sir? It Both of them. Because we've now they been were, through two.
2: They were good. You know, it's, uh, again, four kids and a wife. Uh, it is always an adventure. Uh, And so holidays are generally exhausting, but they're good. You know, get to see family members and eat obscene amounts of delicious food so yeah what
0: that's a tough life yeah yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna say it was good damn it it. you got two cheeseburgers tonight (laughs) i'm still upset i I had a early early dinner so i'm a little bit hungry right now Mm. and cheeseburgers sound just amazing at the moment so yeah. I don't know. I need to I need to move on, but yeah. it's hard. Alright, so uh we do have two stories for you this week. That means that both Aaron and I did the homework. Success. Some of us later than the other.
1: Hey. I know Still I really I time. don't
0: have a lot of room to talk either. Considering like after that episode aired You and I just didn't talk for days. And then finally, I wasn't even talking to you. And via Twitter, you were just like, you mentioned me on, I should probably write. Yeah. And then I kind of wrote back and was like, I probably should too. I might talk (laughs) to you later. And then sure enough, like a day or so later, we We... should do a show. And neither of us had even started yet at that point. We
2: should do a show. And then we didn't talk for like another day because <laughs> it was like it no, was no, like no, if I don't if I don't talk <laughs> if we don't talk we don't have to do a show yeah I know I don't know what to do shh, shh, shh. I'm not gonna lie I was very panicked I was <laughs> like I really liked this prompt and it was kind of my idea and it would have been really lame for me to not have something.
0: It does look bad if you're like, let's do this, and then <laughs> and the next week you're like, eh, and then it just makes it. me
2: feel like I'm going, hey, John, you do this.
0: See, that I'm might a, feel I'm cool, because then it's like, oh, Aaron's such a fan of my work, even though that's not what it is, but
1: he like, just I am wants
0: me to him. write stuff. He's I am so a fan nice. He's so kind to me. I really am. Thanks. true. It's true, man. Come on now. I don't handle compliments well. Take it all back or
2: something. No, I'm not
0: uh Uncomfortable. Jacket. I, I need an adult. Oh wait. <laughs> I feel better now.
2: Alright, so give the compliment with an insult and you're okay.
0: Then I understand it.
2: Alright. Alright. It feels it's like it feels genuine to give a dog at the point. A pill or something like that. You gotta like wrap it in some cheese or something like that.
0: Yeah, it's like the reverse of that though. Because okay. I, I want the compliment that's in the middle. I just mm-hmm. require a little bit of like come on, let's let's make it practical here. It's just yeah. me we're talking about.
2: you're a good friend, but you sound kind of funny.
0: yeah, there you go. <laughs> funny voice. What's up with that, and why does he think podcasting is his medium as a result? I don't know, but you know what <laughs> there's something about him that's all right
1: uh, it works. It we
0: got job. there, Aaron. We got the stories done.
2: We did. I am calling that success. It <laughs> was it was right up to the very buzzer. But, you know, we uh, I got it done, and you got it done, and I think they turned out pretty well, even though you want to punch me for it.
0: It's weird because <laughs> sometimes we do, uh, I mean, we always follow a prompt. Mm-hmm. And so you would think that eventually we're going to get to a point where we wrote something very similar
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, you know at some point we are just going to both pick the same page to pull from and it hasn't happened yet I, I think every week we've been fairly far apart yeah um, but what's interesting about this week um, that I noticed is that we both decided to do callbacks mm-hmm. of of sorts
2: yeah of course, we're both doing callbacks to your own stories, uh, so, <laughs> so. I think that's telling, John.
0: Uh, sure, and <laughs> I just think it's weird that that's the road we both just of all weeks. This is the week we both decided, like, eh, let's go for it. So,
2: well, I could hopefully go and do a bit more elaboration about why I went the direction that I did after. After we've heard it, because oh, I think
0: that will be I necessary, just... Aaron. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I Are you think asking me to gonna, explain myself, John? I
0: think that's gonna that might be my <laughs> first question for you is explain yourself. All right, defend yourself. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs>
2: I'm sorry, John. Before I'm we get really to, I'm not sorry at all. I'm gonna say that right
0: now. I have a pre-story so cool. question for you. Okay. Uh, the pre-story question is: How many different variations of the story did you go through before you finally
2: wrote what would be the final one? Oh God, um, I want to say I probably went through, I probably went through five or six different things.
1: Yeah, That's a lot.
2: five or six different things, ultimately landing on what I did. Um, I did not do what I did flippantly,
1: Mr. (laughs)
0: Jacker. It it was a tough decision uh, that came as a result of many hours of thought and much deliberation. It was was funny, though, because there were multiple times where we talked during the writing process where Mm. you would say, I've got an idea. I just need to get it down. I'm fleshing it out. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, I've got a different idea. I'm writing it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the the this other question that comes to mind, and I hope I remember it when we're done, I have to ask you after, but um, it, this was not necessarily an easy write. No. And I was surprised because I thought this one is going to be a bit easy, actually. You know, most villains tend to think they're the good guy. That was our, our prompt this week, is write mm-hmm. about a villain who thinks they're the hero. Um, And so... That tends to be the case most of the time, so it's just like okay, well, tell a, a villain story, you know? Yeah. And how hard can that be? And it turns out it's pretty damn hard.
2: Yeah, it's it's difficult. I don't know if it's just like coming to terms with with these character with the character concept or whatever. It was just it was just something about it, just plain made it difficult to to get into that mindset um because i think that it's so much the opposite of what you write for a hero i mean aside from the obvious concept it's just it's like a hero when you write a hero they generally don't think of themselves as a hero right and so when it's asking you to flip-flop it around, you then have to say, okay, well, how do I frame a character whose entire, you know, point of view is based off of the idea that they are that they are a hero?
0: And how do I justify the unjustifiable?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, at some point, this character is going to make a decision that I don't agree with. Oh, yeah. And how am I going to come to that in a realistic way so that when people read it, it doesn't read as, and then he decided to be evil for some yeah. reason.
2: And then he decided to kill people.
0: Um, And it's, it's hard to do. It's hard to find that that motivation and especially when you have you know you go in with some level of preconceived notion of this is the story I want to tell and then all of a sudden you have to write a story into that and you have to fit it and it has to work and sometimes that can get just really really tricky
2: yeah well because I mean you fall into that like black hole of rationalization where it's like well okay so I need this to happen so how do I reverse engineer things to do this and then you have to reverse engineer things in order to make that situation happen, and it's just it's it's tough
0: so, because you keep
2: having to make allowances and changes to things in order to make things fit.
0: Yeah. So good prompt. You challenged us. Hey, I do good things sometimes. <laughs> you challenged
2: yourself, Aaron. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, you did. <laughs> did. To stop doing that. <laughs>
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and give you time to shine here, and uh, I'm going to say go ahead, um, introduce everything you want to say about your story, the right, you know, everything leading up to it, and then we will dive right into it.
2: Okay, um, I think I want to do a pretty short one uh, in terms of introduction for this one, I guess I think the majority of the time is going to end up being spent uh, after the fact, uh, but this particular one is called The Lord's Work. Uh, and I hope you enjoy it. The Lord's Work by Aaron Green The home is clean, but still feels lived in. This is his intention, a backdrop of taste without excess. It is a warm, inviting, and relaxed space. This is also his intention, though he draws no comfort from it. He has not lived in this part of the house for many years now. It is his mask, and he underwent the daily ritual for he knew that they would be watching. He had to be careful. At night, he would draw the curtains, extinguish the lights, and make his way upstairs to the bedroom, where he prepared for bed. He changed into his pajamas and brushed his teeth. He turned down the sheets and readied himself for work the next day, for he knew they would be watching. Every so often, he would forget to prep the coffee maker in the morning, miming the actions of going downstairs to ensure all was ready. It was important to show fallibility. He was only human, after all. He would lie down in bed and wait for an appropriate time before stealing downstairs into the rooms he created. His true home. His chapel. In the morning, Before even the first rays of daylight broke on the horizon, he would rise from his real bed in his true home and make his way to the master bedroom, where he would awaken and bathe and do all the other things that they would have expected him to do, for he knew they would be watching. He had to be careful. During the day, he would leave his home and go to his job, though his job, much like the home was a falsity. He had not worked for years. He had used forged documents and shell corporations to buy the building, and had paid in full and in cash. He had expunged all records of his role in the transaction. He used this time to sleep and to prepare himself mentally and physically for what was to come. But he was not comforted by sleep, nor was he made happy by physical exertion. Only the work gave him joy. Only in his real home, where he performed God's work, did he feel comfort. He knew they watched him, for he knew the agents of the devil were many, and they were cunning, and they watched him. But in fact he knew with great pride they did not know him, nor Did they know the work he did? For all their numbers and for all their cleverness and power, they did not know him. They did not know because he was careful, for he knew they would be watching. Seven years ago, on the night of the thunderstorm, the biggest he had seen in years, he had made his first true step toward his Savior's goal. On the way home from his building, he saw a figure walking, hunched against the rain in a torn and tattered coat. He looked like a man, but God, in his infinite wisdom, showed him otherwise. Through the rain, in the fullness of the Lord's glory, he saw the demon inside the man. He saw the twisted husk of the man hollowed out, and inside the monster was black and burned with evil. But that was not all the Lord showed him. He showed him how to destroy the fiend and free the man's immortal soul. It was clumsy the first time, but the husk around the demon was weak from its struggle with the beast, and he fought very little after the first couple of hits with the tire iron. Secretly, he moved the demon into the basement through the garage, and there, in the dimly lit concrete room, he secured the demon to an exposed pipe with a length of bicycle chain and a lock. For a series of brief moments he questioned that which he did, but he pushed the doubt down deep into the pit of his stomach. It was there in the gloom of the basement that God showed him that to destroy the demon was to free the soul. He cried out the words in the book. He used the tools of his faith to try and purge the demon from him. But the demon was strong and would not leave the body it had taken. He was left with naught but one final choice. He was sloppy and there was so much blood. But God spoke to him again as the demon lay on the floor, its stolen body cooling in a pool of sticky blackness. His Savior praised him, congratulated him. His God told him that he was special and that he would be needed again. For seven years, he practiced and honed his skills. He devoted His all to the perfecting of his lord's work. Soon it was not necessary to take them back to the house. That was dangerous, for they were watching him. Now he was no longer clumsy. If he could not exercise the demon, he released the host quickly and quietly. Sometimes it was two or three a night. Other times he would go days without the work. He would bide his time until he could wait no longer. Such was his urgency in his task, his God-given task. The minions of the evil one were always watching, but recently things had changed. The evil one had put a new piece into play. It was a monstrous creature that prowled the night, ever vigilant for signs of those who served the Lord beast had bestowed upon his avatar demonic powers to stop him. But the demon could not stand against the powers of the Lord. The creature that stalked him is in form like the demon himself, a mockery of the humanity he worked to save with him. He brings a child monster on par with his own monstrosity. They are watching and waiting for him to slip. They are always watching. So still, he continued serving, taking those whom the Lord indicated to him as the pawns of the Dark One, and cleansing the city of sin. He was careful, but he is human. But he is aware of his mistake. And now he waits. The night is moonless, and an icy rain pours from the sky. He waits in the darkness of his rooms, he waits for hours, leaning against the very pipes that had held the demon from whom he saved his first soul. He remembers the blood, almost fondly, how it felt, how it smelled, how it tasted. He remembered the rush as he felt the captive human soul wrench free from the pain of its captivity. Suddenly, there was a faint sound off to his left, in the place where the shadows held their deepest sway. "'Good evening, demon-spawn,' he said. He remained unmoving, smiling faintly to himself. "'You've been doing this too long, exorcist,' said the figure. "'There is much of the Lord's work left to be done.' "'You're delusional, Michael.' the demon said, moving into the light, hooves clicking on the concrete as it walked, its body a mass of muscle and fur, long, curving horns trailing in spirals from its masked head. "'You've been off your medication for too long. Your family is worried about you, Michael.' He slams his head against the floor in rage. I do the Lord's work. I rescue innocent souls from the clutches of your master's foul minions. You're killing innocent people, Michael, not demons. Liar! He cried out, wheeling on the demon, arms raising, a cross in front of him to ward off the monster. You are a minion of the deceiver. I will trust nothing you say. A howl punctuates the stillness distracting him just long enough for the monster to close in. The demon moves swiftly and with practiced movement, throws one muscled and furred arm around his throat. Before unconsciousness grips him, he gasps. I will move mountains to continue my lord's work, fiend. The monster's reply came from what seemed a great distance. I don't need to move, mountains. They're my home. And then, all was darkness. God damn it,
0: Aaron. (laughs) (laughs) You wrote a fucking goat man and puberty wolf story.
2: I did. (laughs) I'm sorry, John. I really couldn't help it. (laughs) Yes, you could have. I couldn't have. No, that's the thing. It was perfect. It was a moment of pure clarity. Like, it was this... I, I, You know, if you will remember, I text messaged you, like, two or three hours ago. And I was like... I knew
0: I was going to end up getting blamed for this because... This I have is the written question myself have. into a
2: hole. I have written myself into a corner. I have no idea what to do because right. I had the concept and I had most of it done and I'm like I don't know where to go. And then you sent me wait, this wait, text wait, wait, message.
0: Wait wait, 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 wait. Because I want to do it fair. Okay. Um Aaron, you're right. Earlier tonight you said that this story was partially my fault. <laughs> and you are absolutely right because I will read the text message from my own phone. This is me for the record. It. For the official record. Uh You wrote to me, "Fuck. Man, I think I just wrote myself into a corner." My response Add a goat man.
2: <laughs> uh, see, now you sent add a goat man. What I read was <laughs> add, add goat, goat man. man. <laughs> <laughs> and it was this moment of just pure epiphany. Like, I'm sitting there and I'm like, that's what I do. And so I started I I took what I had had and I started writing in and I started adding this this antagonistic character to my uh, uh, to my villain protagonist. Uh, And I'm like, oh, my God, it's perfect because this guy is obviously a crazy person and he thinks that he is doing what God wants him to do by, you know, killing these people that are really in his mind demons And so he thinks that this, you know, this adversary is working for the devil. And I'm like, oh my God, devil, goat, it's perfect. (laughs) And I made that connection. And then I was like, well, if I've got Goat Man, I gotta add in Puberty Wolf. Now, I didn't name either of them.
0: No, it's true. It's
2: you but had to think, jump
0: through those hoops on your own. <laughs>
2: but I think that they that my description was enough to truly prove to you who it was uh, in the end.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny, too, because as I listened to the story, it started, and I was hearing it, and at first I thought, oh, is this guy a robot? Because... Like, you know, when you know the prompt and there's a there's kind of a lesson to be learned here, um, at least one that I well, I took away and we'll kind of talk about it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, while we're bringing it up. Yeah. Is when you do a prompt, you plant a seed for your audience. Yeah. Um, And it's something I don't always give thought to is what is the audience going to expect? Now, I do sometimes think, OK, I want to surprise someone you know i i want to be surprising mm-hmm. but it's not always easy to consider okay if someone knows we're writing this type of story how can i play with that expectation i don't always do it sometimes i've i've tried um, Yeah, like during horror month when we were doing a ghost story Uh, I thought having all the kids be ghosts would be surprising because I -hmm. I thought people might expect the counselor is one or that I was just going to tell a ghost story. I didn't think many people would think that the kids were actually ghosts until it started to become really clear near the end. But in the case of of this particular prompt and reading your story – I'm trying to guess where the villain is. You know, mm-hmm. what is the thing that makes this a villain? You know, are we, a, are we hearing from the villain at this point? Mm-hmm. And B, why is he the the villain? Yeah. First thought, thought he was a robot. Okay. Uh, cannot exactly remember why I thought he was a robot, but there was something in your, in your text early on that made me think he's a robot. Okay. And he has decided that all people are evil. Um then, second thought, he's okay. a crazy person who's mm-hmm. killing poor homeless people.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is the second idea. Mm-hmm. Third thought that went through my head. Hey look, Aaron put a goat man in his story. <laughs> And at first I <laughs> thought you did it just oh, to God. be funny as a joke to me personally God, just man. like haha ha, John remember when you told me to put a goat man in the story well mm-hmm. look I worked it in. Mhm. And then then he shows up. I heard about the howling and there was this moment of oh you fucking bastard. <laughs>
1: Oh
2: God. <laughs> I think that this may be one of my favorite stories purely because of the reaction.
0: <laughs> I <forgot about> <laughs> Cause I was, I was texting him as I was listening to it. And so again, I guess we'll read from, uh, from my phone directly
1: <laughs>
0: as I'm listening to the audio. Uh, I wrote, Oh shit, a goat man and then like seconds later, Oh no you didn't and then I told him I dug it. That's yeah. before I got really angry. <laughs> Um, (laughs) I'm not actually that angry. I thought it was great, Aaron. I liked the story. I thought it was a really interesting way to, to introduce the most ridiculous thing we've ever talked about.
2: Uh, you know, it's, I, I I don't know why, but it started out. Okay. So just, this was my process for it. So I started out, I finally, after going through like three or four different ways, um, I, I decided on this very vague third-person point of view, right? Um, talking, you know, he is doing this or he did this or he does that, right? And I wanted it to be kind of vague in that way because I wanted it to appear very passive um, so that the... Um, almost like the villain was narrating for himself, right? Yeah. Like he was he was giving himself his own like background dialogue.
0: Yeah, he's pumping himself yeah. up almost. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's why he does this. Yeah, yeah. you're right.
2: So that I is why I do... hate people. Exactly. And so I wanted to do this thing and and early on I had decided that I really wanted to make it something where it was like there was someone and they were killing these people because they think that god wants them to and so i tried figuring out a way to do it and then i'm like hey um let's go kind of the let's do the exorcism route let's say that there's a demon in it and original versions of this concept were like he was killing people because he thought that they were really like aliens type of an idea but that kind of evolved into the whole you know, into the, there were demons inside, and the only way to free the soul in that inside the body that the demon had trapped in there to torment, um, was, was by exercising them. And if he failed by the normal means of exorcism, he could then, if he killed the demon who was in control of the body, it would release the spirit, like the soul. Um, to to move on and so that was this this idea is he's doing this good work of saving these people uh, from what's going on and I kept going with it I'm like I like this this is good he's then it's it felt I wanted to make sure that it felt that it was like it started out like a surprise to him and then it started to become more and more of an obsession and he developed this entire way of life around it and then something changed and that change was you know something that the adversary the devil the devil you know did to to alter the way stuff was happening and i decided okay well i think i'm going to have a superhero in this i want this to be a supervillain um so since my my guy he uh he is trying to save people from the demons that are possessing them. I'll make him the exorcist. That's perfect. It works really, really well. It's kind of already a supervillainy kind of name, right? Um, and then <laughs> I was like, "Oh God!" Now I not only have I created this this supervillain essentially, I now have to come up with a superhero that I can have confront him or do something. And I, 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 my brain just exploded. I just, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea where to go. It was as if being confronted with the fact of having to create both the hero and the villain in a single story, <laughs> simply shut down my brain. So I texted you because I'm like, I i am working on it. I'm running close. Having some difficulty, but I have a backup plan, and my backup plan was maybe I don't write a story, but to make up for it, maybe I share a little bit from my book type oh, of thing. Oh, I see. And That's then, but then I'm good. like, no, this story was my idea. I'm gonna, I'm gonna suffer through it, and I kept going and I kept trying to push here or there, made a little bit of headway, but not without a lot of difficulty and tons of revision. And then I text messaged you. I think I've ridden myself into a corner. And you saved me, John. Yeah. You saved me. (laughs) Because of those two little words. Goatman. And so I created Goatman. um, the, uh, The superhero of the city where this takes place. And he... He stops him. This is like I imagine this being one of the first real supervillains that Goatman and Puberty Wolf have have actually stopped. It's not like arch nemesis type of a thing. This is like, you know, I mean, this would be more like, you know, the Mad Hatter than the Joker. You know what I mean? You don't think the the Exorcist
0: would be like a primary villain?
2: I don't think so. I think that. Um I I think that to go with convention um the best possible like arch nemesis villain for goatman is the troll.
0: Interesting. I would ask you right? to explain, but here's the thing. Yeah. I am going to propose a shocking idea for you, Aaron.
2: Aw, snap. Um, Are you going to propose that I never write about Goatman ever again?
0: In light of recent events, I think we should break with tradition this
2: week. We're going to break from tradition? Yeah. How so?
0: Well, I mean, typically this is a story episode. We discuss the stories that we have. Uh, and, and then that's, that's it. We call it a night and we, we briefly broke with, uh, tradition during horror month. That was a special month. And I think you were shattering of my cautions not to write about <laughs> goat man and puberty wolf have, uh, have torn a hole in the fabric of parallel words. Oh God. And I
2: are we doing th- think the parallel, parallel words? We are
0: going to now have to have a writing prompt before the next episode, oh, geez. which we'll push back a little bit. We were going to try and record earlier next week. We'll, we'll push it back. It'll be probably a more legitimate week from, from where we're at now. Okay. Um, but I think we need to write a story about Goatman and Puberty Wolf.
2: Okay. I'm for it let's do it
0: we're just gonna you know what we're just gonna own it it's just gonna happen yeah and it can be uh, do you think we should pick a forced tone like do you think we should try and do a serious take forced or just you know what we'll go with whatever we we feel like
2: i think we should go with whatever we feel like um because i may decide to do a more adam west style Goatman and puberty wolf next time How about this? I want to be free to be able to do that, John. Here's the prompt.
0: Because we got to change it up. It can't just be write Goatman and Puberty Wolf. Okay. That's a little basic, considering you already did it. I did. The goal this week is to write a short scene that would tell a a fairly decent story within itself, Mm -hmm. so it needs to feel at least somewhat complete Mm -hmm. for the brand new goat man and puberty wolf movie
2: okay all right so let's do this
0: all right it's happening next time we're back there will be more goat men man
2: goat mans
0: there'll be more goat mans and a puberty wolf
2: a single puberty wolf
0: (laughs) i can't do a puberty hell at the moment
2: Anyway. Oh, transition bot. Yay. I seriously considered putting transition bot in there. (laughs) Like, it was... It was a... Like, there was a genuine moment where I'm like, Huh, I wonder if I should do this. And then I looked at it and I'm like... (laughs) It's already a pretty
1: tall order.
2: Yeah,
0: but that's okay. You know what? You got got Goatman and Puberty Wolf into a book,
2: and they they don't seem super ridiculous. I mean, not yet, still relatively ridiculous. But let's see how we're
0: feeling after next week. Now, yep. Um. All right. Let's uh let's wrap up your story. What's the uh what's your closing comments? What are your thoughts in a in a post Goat Man and Puberty Wolf story world? (laughs)
2: Um I'm not going to try to justify what I've done. (laughs) Let Um, the work speak for itself. Yes, I'm going to let the work speak for itself and say that i believe that this is this is the hero that parallel words needs just not the hero that parallel words wants
0: <laughs> it's probably the one we deserve too <laughs>
2: yeah <laughs> oh it's definitely the one that we deserve
0: <laughs> <laughs> no doubt well aaron all kidding aside i thought your story was fun thank you uh, and I thought you took a, a kind of a dark approach to what ended up being a story that made me laugh an awful lot. So,
2: oh, well, good. I'm I'm glad I was able to do that for you.
0: So I think it was all great. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass the the proverbial microphone to, over to you, and let you lead us into our second story of the night, our final yes. story of the night.
2: Indeed. Uh with that having been said, uh John, you have also written a story, although suspiciously void of puberty, wolf. And goat man, I might add. Yeah, I mean, spoilers,
0: they're not in there. Um,
2: <laughs> um but as mentioned before, you do make a specific callback. And I think this is actually a callback uh that we have discussed previously. Mm-hmm. Um in general and uh this is another concept that I would very much like to go into um at at another time uh so um why don't you go ahead and uh, and give us kind of an overview of uh of the story that you have for us this week John
0: So this week was a little tough for me I I really couldn't find what I wanted to write about specifically and that was kind of the biggest struggle for me was i just kind of was like all right villain uh uh and i just i don't know maybe I wasn't in a villain kind of mood but I was just having a hard time coming up with something mm-hmm. and ultimately what i settled on um that that kind of led to the spirit of this was you know this uh this freaky idea of... Well, I guess because I don't want to give away spoilers, I'll tell you the original idea because I feel like we got so far from it Mm -hmm. um, that it's kind of safe to to talk about without ruining anything going forward. Is I sometimes a story is inspired by a bit of dialogue that I come up with as I'm working on a character. And so I was picturing this villain and I was picturing this kind of well to do uh, gentleman who kind of wanted to have what he felt were were deep conversations whether or okay. not they actually were he felt they were yeah and he was going to be talking to another man about the nature of a survival situation and how we think we are a community until the moment we have to survive and then as soon as uh, we're left to to survive survival instinct kicks in and we turn on each other very quickly and that kind of him talking about community and the way we react to community and all of that and and how that can quickly fall apart uh that is what led me to kind of the core idea that makes up the story that I ultimately wrote. Um, And you'll see some of those themes kind of do pop up a little bit, but that specific bit of dialogue about, you know, survival situations and all of that uh, Mm -hmm. does not. So that kind of got me on the right path. Uh, I ended up writing it in, in pretty much one night I started it and, and then as I was laying in bed, cause I got about a paragraph in
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I was laying in bed and I thought, Oh man, I can tie this into another story we've done.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, and I think it's fitting for that universe too.
2: Uh, yeah, it, def- it definitely, you know, I will say that when I listened to it and there's the reveal, I was like, yep, this is, uh, This is exactly what it needed to be.
0: Yeah, and so that ended up making me rewrite it. And so by the end, you know, that entire paragraph got erased. I started over. I kind of wrote it in one night in one, you know, great big sit down. And I was like, oh, this is great. So, um, you know, this is my story. It's called Our Community, and I hope you enjoy it. Our Community by John Jagger Gavin Pendry tore a hunk of meat from the chicken breast with his bare hand, squished the meat hard against his plate, and ran the meat across the surface, letting the fatty grease seep into the white meat. There was a light knocking at his chamber door. Come in, William, he called while shoveling the sopping piece of meat into his mouth. The door opened tentatively, and the man that peeked around the corner looked doubly so. As he squirmed into the chamber, he looked tiny. He wasn't. In fact, he was average by most standards. But here, in this office, with how he carried himself, William was small. Thank you, Governor, he said. Is that a proper title still? For now, William, Mr. Pendry will suffice. Ah, Mr. Pendry, I appreciate your summons, sir. It's uh, an honor, sir, but we're very nearly at curfew, William said. Shall we be long? Mr. Pendry motioned for William to take a seat across from him. With a slight jolt that betrayed his surprise, William obliged and scooted the heavy wooden chair up to the desk. He then rested his hands on the large oak surface, thought better of it, and returned them to his side. "'I apologize if my summons were vague, William, but I think you'll be out well past the town's curfew tonight,' Mr. Pendry said, moving his now almost bare plate to the end of the desk and wiping grease on his jacket. "'Don't worry, though. This building has guest accommodations.' That's kind of you, sir. Mr. Pendry smiled, and it was every bit as unsettling as people said it was. What are we if we don't look out for one another, William? Pendry leaned back in his chair, which made the wood groan and squeak. He stared at William for a long time, letting his eyes look him over. William just played with his hands and fidgeted pretending to admire some of the nicely furnished parts of the chamber. That is what sets us apart, is it not? Pendry asked. Excuse me? Out there, the animals. Some are like the wolf and eat each other, but some, like rabbits, only eat grass. Pendry turned his chair to look out the window to his right. The last remaining rays of sunlight splashed a dull orange on his skin. However, we eat both. I've heard bears will also eat both, sir. Mr. Pendry looked down at his plate. The last bite of chicken and the skeletal remains of the stem that had held some grapes were all that remained. Ah, but bears do it out of necessity, William. William. We choose to indulge ourselves with whatever appeals at the time. It is a luxury afforded only to us, and do you know why? William offered only a shrug, which made Gavin smile again. Community, he said. That is what sets us apart. William seemed to think about this for a moment. Yes, sir. Pendry fiddled with the upper drawer on his desk. Good, he said. Tell me, is my keeping you here past curfew going to alarm your family tonight? No, sir, William said. I'm not married, actually. Gavin Pendry stood abruptly, pulled a small flintlock pistol from the desk drawer, and shot William in his upper left leg. William screamed and fell sideways out of the chair as the smoke from the blast filled the room. He howled in pain, crawling across the wood floor towards the door as Mr. Pendry slowly reloaded the pistol. "'William! William!' he called, carefully loading the next shot. "'I need you to stop screaming, William, or I will shoot you again.' William's scream turned to sobs, and he rolled onto his back, sending a splash of blood across the floor. He gripped at the hole in his leg, trying to stop the flow of blood that now oozed between his fingers. "'Are you a God-fearing man, William?' Pendry asked as he moved to stand over him. "Wh- why William asked through gritted teeth. Mr. Pendry's face had gone blank, it showed no emotion, and he seemed to be looking through William, past the events in the room. I am, he said quietly, and I was. I believed much like I'm sure you do, William. Jesus, God, creator of our world. Pendry grabbed the wood chair William had been using and pulled it over so he could sit in it. But this isn't God's world, is it? We even called it the New World when we got here, didn't we? Why? William asked again, but Gavin didn't even react. This world already has gods. The natives knew. This is soil that our lord never touched, William. And we were fools to try and bring his law here. Because here... "'Well, I've seen the gods here, William. "'You don't cross them. "'There is no forgiveness in them. "'There is no mercy or salvation. "'You can only hope to appease them.' "'Pendry folded his hands and leaned over William, "'letting his voice fall quieter. "'They come here, you know. "'Every night, they look for those who trespass on their lands.' those who walk their streets. They watch us eat our meals, they watch us sleep, and make no mistake, they can kill every one of us. William groaned, and his hand slipped off the wound. His skin was growing pale. Do you know why they don't? Pendry asked. Appeasement. He let the word hang in the air. I give them someone to take, so they don't take us all. I asked you what kind of community would we be if we didn't watch out for one another. And that's exactly what I do. I look out for all of you. Mr. Pendry stood and went back to his desk, where he took a long drink of a light brown liquid that burned every inch of the way to his stomach. It's how we stay a community. And I'm sorry, William, but it's time for you to serve a purpose. It's time for you to do your part for us. I'm dying, William whispered. You're going to, yes, but not yet. They like to know that it's an offering, but they want them alive. I'd kill you here and now if I could. It's the least I could do. William's breaths became more labored. I. His voice cracked as tears rolled to the floor. Because you are worthless alive, Pembry said. You feed off the community. Thirty and no wife, no kids. You have a job, but it's hardly challenging work. Better suited to those younger and more able. They won't take the sick or the excessively elderly. I've tried. No, it has to be you, William. If not this time, then the next. Pendry moved back across the room and knocked on the chamber door twice. It opened, and two of his assistants moved to pick up William. They aren't going to know it was like this, Pendry said. You'll just go missing, and we'll come up with a story. We can make you a hero, William, because you are. The assistant stood William upright and supported him. Mr. Pendry walked up to him, and his body began to tremble and shake. Gavin leaned in and kissed William on the cheek. Bless you, he said quietly. You are keeping all of us safe. You are doing more in your death than you ever could have in life. And I respect you. May may God forgive you, Gavin, William said, and the assistants began to drag him from the chamber. You're a hero, Mr. Tavers, Gavin Pendry smiled. We won't forget the hero of Aldridge. The door slammed behind them. Gavin returned to his desk and as the night came alive with inhuman shrieks and William's screams, he popped the last chunk of chicken breast into his mouth and ground the cold dry meat between his teeth.
2: And we're back. John? Aaron? This location sounds disturbingly familiar,
0: yes, I did say that when I think of horror, I tend to all set it in the uh, in the same little made up town and uh, this time was no different as I was coming up with the idea and it began to take a uh, a more horror twist uh. I began to think of Aldridge and in thinking of Aldridge, I thought, you know what? I already pictured it being, you know, kind of originally it was set in kind of an obscure fantasy type world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was just going to be that I was like, you know what, if what if we make this kind of like early colonial American era, you know, mm-hmm. close to that, Um, or at least closer to that. Um, and make this early in the life of this town when it was still a fledgling town. Um, still a fledgling community full of hope and people with vaguely British accents. Yeah. Vaguely British accents. I didn't really commit. I was kind of (laughs) disappointed in myself for not going full in on the British accent because I really could have and i just i got embarrassed and i decided not to Aww.
1: so John. so you
0: got to hear just my just enough to where you would interpret it when i stopped sometimes mid sentence <laughs> or altogether <laughs> uh, uh you would you would assume that they still had it so there you go All
2: right so um you were saying that you came up with this villainous character and a lot of the concept came from this dialogue that you were having. Um, What led you to go on the route of the, you know, the original gods of the area type of a concept?
0: Well, I came up with this, this notion like this, uh, this story was based around, kind of several conversations a few of which actually kind of stayed in the story itself and the first one was the survival one that I I talked about and that led into the community discussion and like you know what is a carnivore and what is an herbivore and what is an mm-hmm. omnivore so what are we you know it, it, would you just say we're an omnivore no because we kind of just select whatever we want we kind of exist outside of the the food chain to some degree yeah and that's because we're a community and so that bit of discussion ended up staying in there and it got to a point where i wanted there to be a big reveal of you know his the good that he thought he was doing was keeping the town safe from something, you know, that was in his eyes, the good that he was doing. Cause that was the prompt, you know, that was the part mm-hmm. I had to tie it back to is I had to give this guy who was going to essentially condemn an innocent man, uh, to death. I had to give him, you know, a reason to do it. And so yeah. his reasoning was, you know, this is going to keep our town safe from something that's out there. And I kind of put myself in the mind of, you know, these are fairly religious folk. Mm-hmm. And there was just one point where he was going to ask him, you know, are you a God-fearing man? Yeah. And originally I, I had it to where he was just going to kind of be like, well, I'm not because I, how can I believe when the God here, the gods here show themselves to me and mine never has? It was a really mm-hmm. heady bit of dialogue, and it, it was I liked it, but it it kind of wound away from the narrative a little too much,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so I, I came up with this notion of, you know, what if his belief is that God, you know, the Christian God, so to speak, uh, did exist, and he still believes in him, but that the world is Europe. And it's where they're from. And this land that they've discovered it does not belong to that religion or that god in any way, shape, or yeah. form. Because as soon as they got here, they started seeing things that were beyond belief. you know. Mm-hmm. And so that's where this kind of notion came from of it's a different set of gods once you get on this continent. And the best we can hope to do is appease them so they don't tear us apart.
2: Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot.
0: It's a frightening thought.
2: Yeah. Now, I will say, um, when you started having the conversation, you were talking about the bear. You know, it was like, so what about bears? You know, they'll eat both. Like, part of me was like, is this guy, like, going to turn into a bear? <laughs> <laughs> like, are these people really bears? Like, I, I don't know why... There was just – I think there was just something about the phrasing that made me go, are these people not really people?
0: Oh, man. People that turn into bears is pretty scary too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I mean, and I think it's its interesting because it, it – the story as a whole falls in line with some stuff with like a lot of kind of those folktale type of concepts where it's the, you know, we do things, you know, it's what perpetuates these beliefs and these traditions and these rituals, right? Right. And it's what has done it throughout history is the idea that, um, you know, we do certain things because they have been done in the past. Um, and we will continue to do them because if we don't, we don't know what's going to happen if we stop. Um, and I think in a lot of ways it reminded me of i'm sure that you read it at some point or another but it's the lottery by shirley jackson yeah um it really did have some elements of that in it which i thought were you know was really cool because i love that short story so um you know john bully to you (laughs) i liked it a lot and i loved the fact uh that you had it take place uh in this you know colonial era aldridge um and uh You know, I just wanted to put it out there for you, and I wanted to let you know there was a moment, there was a brief, fleeting moment in which I almost called the city where my story took place Aldridge. Really? Almost. I was really (laughs) close, and then I'm like, I'm already putting Go Man in here. I think that if I made this town Aldridge, like like future Aldridge when it's a city. Yeah. I think that John might murder me.
0: Yeah. That might go too far. I mean, I, but I think that's awesome. Uh, first because I, you know, I think it's cool. And, and Aldridge is funny because to me, Aldridge is just, well, I guess I can, I can kind of share. Aldridge is in my mind, um, it's just everything I find creepy that they have put in, into a single town. Um, there's something, and and I'm sure other people have it. And I'm sure other people have experienced it, uh, where you dream about a place that you have visited or that you're from or that you live, but in your dream, you don't get the geography right. You don't, get the locations of buildings perfect. Yeah. You know, if, if you dream, uh, a good example is if you dream about a mall, it, it's going to kind of look like the mall, but the shops aren't going to be the right shops. They're not going to mm-hmm. be in the right places. Because when you walk through those buildings, you only pay attention to the things that are really important to you. And your brain interprets the rest. And so when your brain tries to recall it all, you don't always have access to all the little minutia.
2: Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is like, it's, it's, um, you know, I mean, our brains, our brains pick up the stuff that our conscious minds don't, which is where we get the faces inside of our dreams is from just people that we've seen. Yeah. Um, and so like, that's, that's an interesting way of thinking of it. It's just that these unconscious things that you, the minutiae that we don't always notice our brains still magically have the ability to notice it.
0: And to me, that's what Aldridge is. Aldridge is uh is, you know, my hometown, uh, Flagstaff where I grew up. Uh it is the the nightmare esque version of that town. It's the it's the town that I would create uh without perfect memory of that town. And so as a result it's kind of uh, it's kind of amorphous, you know, like it can kind of be whatever I want it to be um, because it's it's not perfect it's based on something that isn't completely real, but also isn't completely made up either. So if I want it to Mm -hmm. be located, you know, on the other side of the continent, which it would be in the case of this story, uh, then it is. If I want it to have a Harbor and a dock, uh, I can do that. If Mm -hmm. I want it to be, you know, kind of down in the swamps, it can kind of be that until, you know, anything is set in stone. And, Part of the reason why I picked Aldridge is because it sounds like a very common name.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it sounds real. I don't know if there is an actual Aldridge. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if you told me there was. Um, and as a result, I like to believe that it can kind of be anywhere. So you say the name, and it's sort of like, you know, with the Simpsons and Springfield. Like, it can kind of be...
2: <laughs> it borders everywhere simultaneously. Right.
0: It, it's kind of everywhere. And, I, and that's why I don't think I will ever attach a state uh to aldridge Uh um so that's kind of how i have always uh pictured that town and because it is one of the and this is going to sound real obnoxious it's like me being like i don't get scared by stuff that's not true but i don't often have nightmares um in fact i really don't have nightmares But I have dreamt about this, this town, and Mm -hmm. I do think it's creepy. And so in the back of my mind, whenever I think of something creepy, I'm like, Oh, that's where we'll put it. You know, that's, that's the place creepy things go. So (laughs) if you want a real analytical way of looking at something creative, um, so that tends to be if as soon as i say well let's put something scary in there that's what comes to mind and so that's what aldridge is to me and it's a fun playground to to unleash every kind of horror because that's what i picture would be there is uh, a little bit
2: of everything that is a terribly disturbing thought
0: <laughs> yeah you don't have to just worry about ghosts you have to worry about everything
2: all the things
0: yep if it's scary it goes there <laughs> All right, I think I think that's that's it for stories. Yeah,
2: I think that we uh, that we, that's stories and concept for second uh, for next week as well.
0: I know I gave us a writing assignment. I know, damn Is, you! What does it say about the writing assignment that I'm like, you know, when we get off this, I could probably write that thing.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so. I, I'm sure you will be upset if you wake up tomorrow with a text on your phone. When you want to record, I'm done.
2: <laughs> I might be a little miffed at you, um, but not not as miffed as I probably could be. All right. Well, I don't um, think it'll be done that fast. Eh, yeah, that's what you think.
0: That's what I think until it gets its claws in me. Um, before we go, uh, because of the way these things tend to work out, um, this episode is most likely, although now that we have a new concept, I might be able to, to change that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But this episode was uh, probably going to be called Dr. Boosh Part 2. Okay.
1: Um,
0: and so as a result, it would be a mistake not to say, what would you think of the holiday special and the goodbye to Matt Smith on <sighs> Dr. Boosh
2: you know, I, I really, really liked it. Um, I, I think that they they touched base on the um, you know, on, on, on the doctor's aging and the concept of the regeneration and how he's going to continue the regeneration. Um, I thought that that was interesting. I think it's kind of I'm, I'm hoping that they will explain it some more. Because I do think it's a little weird that apparently the Time Lords can just say, oh, you can have a few more regenerations. There you go. Like, they can just deal them out, which is the way that it kind of made it seem. Right. Um, but at the same time, it's like, well, what? Uh, I, I'm, i you know, for the 15 seconds that you saw Capaldi at the end, um, I'm convinced. Like, I think he's going to be fantastic. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him. Um so, yeah, I mean, I liked it a lot. I think I've watched it like two or three times,
0: yeah, I thought it was a uh I thought it was a really good send off for Matt Smith um it was they had to do a lot in this episode i, yeah, I definitely did. got the impression, and this has been speculated about for sure that it was uh something of a surprise that this would be the end i mean Mm -hmm. obviously they had enough time to get a new guy and to you know change whatever plans were in motion but the point is that this was not always going to be what this episode was going to be is i guess the point that i was i'm kind of getting at yeah um but i will say one thing that i liked about it is when david Tennant ended he kind of got this some people call it overblown, but I liked his run on the doctor so much that I was grateful for it where he got mm-hmm. to go and just visit everybody. Yeah. And looking at it now, yeah, I can I can see where people are like, it's a bit grandiose and a bit much and a bit heavy-handed. Oh, I thought it was but great though. It was what I wanted. So, I'm not going to I'm not going to complain about getting what I wanted, you know? Yeah. So, but He kind of got that. Matt Smith got it in a different way. Um, He got everything that made up his time as the Doctor to all converge on him. Mm Mm-hmm. And kind of all have some relevance in the end to his story. Yeah. And so in a lot of ways, the episode felt almost like a love letter to Matt Smith in that right. like, this is the journey we went on with you, you know, yeah. a- and and even though there was a lot of um, I've heard people say that it was it felt rushed. And I do think that the pacing is a little bit fast, but I think that's because there was so much that they tried to fit into this episode yeah um but i mean you got to see him uh you know reface and in most cases overcome everything that he's had to face as the doctor yeah. Uh, in as his time as the doctor. Yeah. And it was just kind of great to see that you know, it was almost like a clip show where all the
2: clips are new footage. Yeah. Well, and I like the fact that they finally explained the silence and, you know, it's it's they covered all of these things that were kind of made you go, Oh, okay, well that's cool, but I don't really get it. Like it's they culminated a lot of the things really, really well. And I think that his ending speech is amazing. Like, I absolutely love it. Like, it's one of my favorites.
0: Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um,
2: I found a thing online that has the first words and the last words of every regeneration of the Doctor. Uh, kind of put in, like, a like a little, like, infographic type of a thing. Yeah. Um, and his... His his ending words were some of my favorite. Like I absolutely adore them.
0: Oh, absolutely! And so it was
2: so like, it's profound, it's brilliant, and it's and I think the biggest thing is is it's it's really I think representative of his journey as a character, right? Because David Tennant, everything that he did, it was all about running away. Yeah. Right? Every that's why, you know, it's he they're gonna go running. That's why he was wearing the chucks. You know, he was wearing he was running away. And so he had gotten to the point where he's like, I don't I don't wanna go. I'm I'm not done yet. I still wanna be me. And that was that big profound thing was that he'd hated himself for so long and he was just getting to the point where he was happy to be him. And I think that Matt Smith's kind of goofiness but like anger is like kind of that resentment of the fact that he had to make the decisions that he did. And then in the 50th, they made that different so that he could like, it. he gets to understand the decision that, that he made and he knows that there's different things. And it's hopeful. It goes from this anger to the fact that, you know what, there are other things that we can do. There are ways that we can make it better, you know? and, so, I think that it's it's a really, really good representation of I'm hoping where they're taking the series, and I really liked capaldi's uh, uh first words you know, I have new kidneys yep I don't like the color um, <laughs> yeah it's just awesome
0: and i I think just to kinda kind of get more of my thoughts out there before we uh we close the show yeah. <laughs> um to me, I guess the biggest thing uh, about this episode is, is that, and I don't have a ton of experience actually seeing the end of a series. You know, when you kind of Netflix them all together and you watch them very quickly, some yeah. of the bigger meanings sometimes lose their meaning, you uh-huh. know, because there aren't those gaps. You know, you say goodbye to Eccleson and you've got Tennant immediately, and you've got all of his episodes to go off of. You say goodbye to him, and there's Matt Smith, and you know you've got you know a couple seasons to enjoy with him right away. Um, so it sometimes kind of makes everything blur together, but the thing that I've taken away is that every Doctor's journey has been kind of their own journey. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you get a new doctor, uh, yeah, you get a new doctor, um, but you get kind of a new focus for the narrative as well. Yeah. The, the narrative changes tone. And so, uh, there was a lot of callbacks to things Mm -hmm. from Matt Smith's, um, you know, time as the doctor. And there was a lot of like, okay, well let's tie up this loose end and let's tie up this loose end, um, to where it felt like this this kind of almost overblown spectacle at times. Yeah. But you also have to keep in mind that this was their way of saying, this is the end of his era. Let's wrap that up because now, now we're doing something different. Yeah. Um, and a big part of why that felt so rushed, because again, pacing was one of probably one of my very few issues with it is because they probably thought they had several more seasons to address these things. You know, these were probably going to be a lot of the revelations were probably going to be revelations that we came to over the course of a season or so, as opposed to, Oh, it's going to be part of this special. Yeah. So, uh, I, I really dug it. I really liked it. I cannot wait to see more of it. (laughs) which my guess is that i'm going to have to wait for some time but
2: yeah uh i don't want to wait i don't want to wait either man
0: but at least sherlock's back on
2: oh my god yes it is and it is brilliant
0: even though we're already a quarter done with the season now
2: well technically a third
0: oh is it only three i thought it was four
2: no it's always three and but on the plus side the second one
0: premieres on sunday i know uh when i heard that i was like wait a minute you mean only a week later i get to see more that's fantastic it's like it's a tv show which it is and that's when i kind of put it all together and was like oh right that's how it works (laughs) but yeah there's some good tv on i don't watch a lot of tv but when i do it's enjoyable
2: (laughs) all right most interesting man in the world
0: yeah i don't always watch tv but when i do I it's do. probably british yeah that's um,
2: very true <laughs> that's
0: how it feels at the moment at least yeah. um but all right man let's call that a night let's call that an episode uh you get us out of here
2: all right man ladies and gentlemen thank you all once again for sitting through another hour or so of John and my, uh, our our, our madness and our stories and our utter ridiculousness. If you would ever like to get a hold of us, if you would like to write stories with us, if you would like us to read the stories that you write, if you just want to say hi, you can always get in contact with us through email at parallelwordscast at gmail.com or On Twitter, at ParallelWordsPC. We have a brand new website uh, that John is currently working on. Uh, So if you want to check out the blogs that we've got written up there, uh, soon we're going to have text versions of our stories up there as well. Uh, You can go ahead and go to ParallelWordsPC.wordpress.com. And so you can check out stuff over there, you can stream the episodes through there. Whatever you want to do, it's wonderful, it looks great. John is doing an awesome job with that. Uh, And so, my name is Aaron Green. My name is John Jagger. Saying goodbye, and hello, as always. I wrote boosh on a piece of cheese.